it's a privilege to introduce our next speaker. Not many times in, in one's life do you have somebody walk the journey of the Lord with you for an extended period of time. And we've known Pastor Marty and, and Paula Joe for since 1994, three, you started coming, got born again in 95. 93. 93. I thought it was 19. December 5th. That's where I'm getting the five. Yes. So for that long, we've known them. You don't find longevity like that. Because you know what? I'm sure in that length of time, we have made them furious. And they, want, they might have wanted to just walk away, just hang it up. But when you serve Jesus instead of serving man, Yay! if somebody messes up and makes you angry or forgets your birthday or says something that they maybe shouldn't have said or done something that they maybe shouldn't have done, see, they're able to overlook my ugly flesh. And just say, man, she missed it. I love Jesus. I'm going to stay with them. That's what happens. Because I miss it a million times. I miss it probably more than I get it. But they've been with us that long. And I can, I can proudly say, if I can be proudly to say, that there's a son and a daughter in the Lord. Yes. They're a son and a daughter in the Lord because in our, we were in our 20s. Pastor Marty and Miss Paula got saved under our ministry in the Baptist church many years ago. Yes. So this morning, as kind of a mama in the Lord, I get to hear my daughter preach. Yeah. What better privilege, amen? So stand to your feet this morning and you welcome Paula Joe. Come on, Paula Joe, and read the word this morning. Hey, hey. I'm not going to respond too much to that because I don't want to ugly cry before we even get into the word, right? Listen, you want to fight? Talk about these two. You want a real big fight? Talk about these two, my girls. You want an even bigger fight? Talk about him. It's over. It's over, right? I'm not here to fight today except for one thing. I'm going to step these shiny boots on the devil's head and we're going to kill everything he's spoken to you, everything he's done. Because you know what? When I was a little girl, I watched a movie about Cinderella. And you know what? In her story, it was, she was living proof that shoes really can change your world, right? A good pair of shoes makes you walk different, right? I feel good in these boots. These boots were made for walking. But today, they're made for stomping. And we're going to stomp on the devil's head and have fun doing it. All right, you ready? I'm so excited. I had to bring, bring attention to my shoes because I really do like them. But um, Dr. Karen usually gets up, and when she gets up here, she is in class or whatever. She has a saying that she always says, and she says, Welcome to class. Well, I'm not in a classroom setting, and I'm not your teacher today. But I had a dream a long time ago that I would be helping to facilitate rooms like this, that I would look out to thousands 
of women's faces. So today, welcome to my dream. You are here. You are here. So I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time because we want Jesus to do the talking this morning, okay? So something I didn't know because I am not the theologian that my spiritual mama is, but I can be when I need to be, right? But what I didn't know is that the Jewish calendar starts in September of 23 and goes to September of 24. But the Jewish calendar of this year, I didn't know this when I found out what I was going to be speaking on today, but the Jewish calendar number is 5784. The only thing that changes in that from last year was last year it was 5783. This year the four changes. So that four is called the Dalet, Dalet. I'm not sure I'm saying it correctly, but that's okay. You got the point. It is the only letter that not only looks like a door, it means a door. And so this year, the Hebraic calendar represents, it's the year of the door. Okay? So what I want you to do is take a, take a side note sometime this week and go look up Dr. Rabbi Kirk, his rabbi, not doctor, Rabbi Kurt Landry's website. Look what he's got. He's got a whole prophetic meaning behind that. And I want you to go look at that. I'm not going to take time to do that with you today because he's so much smarter than I am. You'll really love reading it. So go read it. But basically what happened was about in my earlier years, 5, 10, 15 years ago, I started just being really impressed with buildings. But my favorite part of every building I see is the door. If you follow me on Facebook for a minute or two, you've seen me post the doors of every city I go in. I, I asked Marty, can we go a little early and go downtown so I can find some doors? <laughs> Why? I mean, my kids get bored. They're like, Mom, are we really stopping to take another picture of a door? I'm like, yes, we are. Y'all keep walking. I'll catch up. But I'm going to take pictures of these doors. Why? I don't know really why, except that the Lord spoke to me. When I see doors, and he still does. When I see a door, some doors are ugly, and I still take a picture. Some doors are really pretty. And so I'm just going to speak a message to you today called the door. So what is a door? A door is a swinging or a sliding barrier. It's a means of access. It's a means of participation. It's an entry, an exit. It may be a gate, a hatch, a portal or an opening. It may be something you see, and it may be something you don't see. You see a physical door that I walk through, you see that door, and that door represents that when I go in, sometimes the door sets the, 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 the theme for what I'm walking into, right? If it's a pretty door, I expect it to be pretty on the inside. If it's a broken down, hanging off the hinge door, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not sure I want to go in there without a hard hat on, right? Because the house might fall in. So, um, but there's different kinds of doors. So take this journey with me just for a minute. There's glass doors. There's fiberglass doors. Have you ever tried to buy a door? Just type in door on Home Depot. You can get a door for $10 and you can get a door for $10,000. All kinds of doors. There's composite doors. There's metal doors. There's French doors, bifold doors, folding doors, automatic doors, rotating doors. Don't those freak you out when you go in there and you've got to rotate and you're thinking, I always think, can me and Marty fit in there together or do I have to go behind him? Do you? He would prefer that I go in there with him together, but then he's taking big steps and I'm going like this, trying to, trying to stay in the, without getting hit from behind, right? Yeah, so there's all kinds of doors. Sometimes a door lets you into something, and sometimes a door lets you out of something. 
Some doors I got to have a key to get in. Some doors I got to have a special card. Some doors around here I got to have a code for. So you got to have the inside scoop to get in those doors. You got to be, you know, you got to know you're getting in that door. Doors do a couple of things too. They protect what's inside. They set that tone, like I said, for what's inside. But all the doors I've mentioned to you, I'm going to say this more than once. I want you to hear me for a minute. All these doors are different, but do the same things. I'm going to say it again. They may look different, but they do the same thing. They serve the same purpose. Look at your neighbor beside you. She looks different than you, don't she? But our purpose is very similar. Jesus has called us all to do one purpose, right? So we're not supposed to look the same, act the same, have the same personalities, all those things, right? Because if we did, it'd be a pretty boring world, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would be too. There's a woman that I'm going to just talk to you briefly about. And the reason I'm choosing this particular woman is because not all of us can be Amy Simple McPherson. Not all of us can be Catherine Kuhlman. Not all of us can be Dr. Karen Smith. Not all of us can be certain things. Doesn't make us bad or different, but when we set our standard on certain things, we live a life of disappointment. We're so worried about trying to be like someone else that we can't simply be ourselves. How do I know that? You're looking at the one. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. When we first met Pastor Todd and Karen, we were in a Baptist church. And when she first started preaching, she would wear these suits. Cute little skirts, pencil skirt, a jacket. It looked so good on her. I mean, she looked like a million bucks. Well, I took my little honey down to Macy's one day. And I said, I'm going to go in there and buy me one of them Pastor Karen suits. I'm going to try it. I got in that dressing room. Listen. I put on that skirt. The skirt looked good. I put on the jacket. The jacket looked good. I even put, picked out a little shirt to go under it so I could try the whole outfit on, right? No, I put that thing. I've never laughed so hard in my life. I looked in the mirror like, that is not Paula Jo Dercott. That is not Paula Jo Dercott. And it's okay that it wasn't Paula Jo Dercott. So what did I do? I went back out in the thing and I bought me a cute pair of jeans, a nice pair of shoes, and a jacket. And I was fine. And she's okay with me not being her, right? Yes. So that's the thing. We got to be ourselves. But this particular woman I'm choosing to tell you about is a woman that I was simply on an airplane and there was a documentary. I was trying to kill some time and I thought, I'm going to watch the story about this lady because I was intrigued by her when I was a little girl. Her name is Dr. Jane Goodall. Some of you may know who she is. Look how beautiful she is. This woman is 89 years old and still killing it in the world that she's in. Dr. Jane was an English woman who became an advocate for chimpanzees, just monkeys. She stepped into a door at the age of 26, flew from England to Tanzania just to study monkeys. And because she stepped in that one door, opportunity after opportunity came her way. And listen when she was interviewed recently, later in her years, she simply decided she was going to study. She just wanted to study monkeys, but she became an advocate for monkeys. She now runs a school. She has an institute that teaches how to take care of the women in Tanzania. So she started caring for monkeys. Now she cares for a whole entire nation. 
She's very well known. She ain't playing. She didn't play. So she did this, the Jane Goodall Institute. Look it up. You'll have a great time. But she was questioned on this, and she said, somebody said to her in an interview, said, Miss Jane, you know you're getting a little older in years, 89. I think this interview happened when she was 85. She said, don't you think it's time you need to be slowing down? The woman's on an airplane probably as much as Pastor Todd. That's a lot, okay? Don't you think you need to be slowing down? She said, no, baby. He said, it's getting, she said, you're getting old. Don't you think it's time for you to slow down? She said, no, baby. It's getting late and we must speed up. I'm going to say that again. It's getting late. We must speed up. The world we're in is dark. She is known as a messenger of peace. Wouldn't that be cool? If somebody just goes, oh, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I know her. She's a messenger of peace. When she comes into a room, I I feel peace. I see peace. I hear peace. She brings peace to me. Wouldn't that be cool? I want to be like Dr. Jane Goodall. She is a Christian, by the way, if it it makes any sense to you, matters to you at all. But our world is a really sad and lonely place. And many times we get caught up in that. We're held captive by a lot of things. We're held captive by what people say, what people think, what, how we feel, what we're going, what's going on in our world. If you watch the news three minutes, you almost have to beg for freedom in your mind just from watching the news for a minute, right? Well, I want to talk to you about somebody who was freed from that a prison because sometimes that captivity gets us and it holds us. It may just be something as simple as... I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not tall enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not fat enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this enough, I'm all the things, and they hold you captive. It can be simply simple as last night, I'm too busy. You're too busy can hold you captive if you let it. Well, there were some people in the Bible that were held captive. Let's take Paul and Silas, for example. Spent a little time in prison, didn't they? I can happily say my mama was real proud. She'd always say, well, she never got arrested. So I carry that with pride. I never got arrested. That's pretty cool, right? Didn't mean I wasn't a bum every now and then, but I sure didn't get arrested, right? So Paul and Silas were in prison. What freedom? Prison worship. Freedom, right? Another guy spent some time in prison in the Bible. His name was Peter. Don't you like Peter? He gives us all hope, doesn't he? So Peter, what got Peter out of prison? Prayer and obedience. When an angel came to him and said, go, he went. He didn't think about it too long. When the angel said go, he just said, really, I'm going to go this way. And as he went, the, the chains fell off and he was freed as he went. So obedience. So Paul and Silas's door was praise and worship. Peter's door was obedience, right? Different, yet the same. Hear me again. Different, same result. Different door, freedom. Different door, freedom. I can finally share this story without losing my mind a little bit, but I lost my mama October of 22. And in my mama's last days, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to do it. In my mama's last days, she taught me something. The Lord taught me something through her. Let's say it that way. In her last days, I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I really want you to fight. I'm not ready to wake up tomorrow and you not be here. And this is what my mama said. 
And now you'll know where I get it from, okay? My mama was a real pretty, bright red hair, blue-eyed, sweet woman. But honey, <laughs> she wasn't afraid to pinch the inside of my arm or pull the back of hair on your neck right here for nothing. And if she did it, you couldn't make a reaction. Like, that hurts, and I'm not supposed to act like that hurts. You are pulling my hair. Shh. Mom, I think my underarm, I think it's bleeding. Shh. You didn't play, right? So, girls, I'm sorry. That's where I get it from, okay? Different, yet the same. This is what my mom said to me. She said, baby, you run your race. Let me run mine. Look at your sister and say, but let me run mine. My race is going to look different than your race. Your race is going to look different than her race. We're going to run differently, right? Let me run mine. Different, yet the same. You see, my mama had been struggling with constant pain for years. Years. Her way to freedom was to lay her life down. And I watched her do it. I watched them bring food to her and her go, nope, not eating. I watched them bring more food. Nope, not eating. I took her her favorites. She said, you might as well put that in your bag and eat it on the way home. I watched her refuse to fight because she was choosing. I thought she wasn't fighting. She was choosing to lay her life down. Her freedom from pain, listen, the, the last breath she took was her first breath with her Savior, right? She was a happy woman, no pain. So her way to freedom was laying her life down. You know what my way to freedom was? December 5th of 1993, laying my life down. Same door, different outcome. Same door, just a little bit different. Many times we enter a door because we need to stay there a while, right? Sometimes we enter a door and we need to run and get, get out of there quick. We need to hurry. Well, I'm going to tell you some scriptures that the, the Lord has a lot of things to say about doors. Just quickly, I'm going to share some with you. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him. Maybe that's a reminder that his voice, listen to his voice before opening the door. Because you know what? He don't get tired of knocking. He'll knock. He'll knock. I'm not going to that door. I'm not, I'm not, ready. I'm not ready to open that door. He's wanting my, my finances. Mm, I don't want to open that door yet. He's knocking. No, I, I'm not ready to go open that door yet. I'm not ready to open that door yet. Not ready. Not ready. Not ready. He's still knocking. And he doesn't get tired. He's just waiting on you to open the door. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, For a great and effective door has opened to me. This is the Apostle Paul. And there are many adversaries. We'll say that, right? Many adversaries. We think he's just one. He's a little one, but he's got a lot of little ones running around with him, trying to mess with us. So if, if that's an adversary or a, a, a opponent, we're going to win, right? And we can close that door but he can't. We can close the door on him. Second Corinthians 2.12 says, the Lord opens the door of opportunity. So look for those. Revelations 3, 8 through 9 says, I've set before you an open door. How many of you know, I'm, I'm just curious, how many of you have animals in your house, a cat, a dog, a rabbit, a horse, a 
whatever you might have. Some people have like snakes and lizards. Don't understand it, but some of you do. Yes, that's what these boots are for. If it's smaller than me, I want to be able to crush it, right? Yeah, I don't like, I don't like them pest. But how many, so, so how many of you know that when you have an animal that stays in your house, you have to train it to go to the right door? If the fence backyard is the back door, you don't want the dog going to the front door. No, you want him to go to the back door. It's a lot easier, right? So you want him to go to the back door. So if a dog or a cat need training, how much more do we need to train ourselves to go through the right door? How do we do that? Caneo. How do we do that? Bible study. How do we do that? Pray. How do we do that? Sit in his presence. That's training too. So how much more? The Bible tells us train up a child in the way he should go, right? I think we just forget to listen to him. It's like when you tell your kid at four to brush their teeth and at 13, you're still saying brush your teeth and at 16, you're still saying brush your teeth and then they're about to go out the door on their first date and you're going, did you brush your teeth? I think Jesus gets like, I've told you to train up a child. 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 He has to remind us, doesn't he? Over and over and over. And guess what? We don't get, well, we do get tired of saying brush your teeth. He doesn't get tired of reminding us either. And then, of course, this is one of my favorite scriptures because anybody in here that's my age and older, there's a scripture that says in Titus 2.4 that the older women should train, teach good things and admonish the young women. What are we going to teach those young women? I'm going to tell you because the Bible tells us to love their husbands to love their children, to be discreet, y'all gonna get mad at me, to be good homemakers, to be obedient to their husbands. I'm so thankful you didn't say amen there, honey. That's a hard one sometimes, right? Yeah, so, but this is what I'm trying to teach. If you read his word, why are you getting mad when somebody tells you you should obey your husband? Why are you getting mad when somebody says, maybe you ought to sweep the floor? The Bible tells us to do these things. And the last one is that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So I am to teach my girls to go in that door. I am to train them up, right? So older women, position yourself to train somebody younger than you. We need you. And they need us. It don't stop with this generation. If I could line you up from an 80-year-old to a 5-year-old, we need each other. If we don't take care of them, the church ends when we die. I want the church to continue. Revival to continue. Well, we got to get to the younger generation, right? So, now, there are many doors in the Bible that I just told you scriptures, right? Well, now I'm going to share with you some examples of actual doors in the Bible. You see, when Noah built an ark, everything was in place. All the animals came in. Everything, he got his family, right? And then after he got in, the Lord did what? Shut him in. He used a door, right? He didn't shut him in with a curtain. No, the Lord wanted him to to make it, right? Right? Jesus is for us. He wants us to make it. Shut him in. Then there was the temple that Solomon built. You should go read in 1 Kings the description of the doors of this temple. 
It's like a whole paragraph. A whole paragraph. He doesn't just say, just put doors on it. He gives an ex- a very, very specific description on those doors. Then there's the door in Luke 5 that some four friends brought a, brought a friend to get healing, right? They made their own door in the roof. Then there's Rahab. I mean, she saved a whole nation by putting a scarlet cord over her door, right? Saved them all. Lazarus, he went in one way, came out another. What did he come through? He came through a door. He came through a door. Then there's Samson and Delilah. Samson should have not went in that door. He should have stayed out of that door, right? Yeah, he should have. Then there was Jonah. I mean, for crying out loud, he went in the mouth of a fish. That was his door. I'm, pr- I'm trying to prove to you that they're all different, right? I'm getting there. Then there was Daniel thrown into a lion's den. He got dropped in a door. Went in one way, came out the same, didn't he? Woo, he did. Yes. Then there was three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown in the fire through a I'm sure there was a door. I think it was glass because they could see in. Wasn't it cool? That, that's how God does. He made it clear on purpose. If that door had been solid, well, they wouldn't have seen that fourth man in the fire, would they? No, they had to be able to see in the furnace. Then there was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus made his own door. He said, I know I'm little. I can't see nothing. Watch me. Shimmed him his little self right up a tree, made his own door. Why? So he had better vision. He could see the Lord. That was his door. So I promise I'm going to read scripture to you because if I don't, you're going to say we didn't go to, go to church. So we're going to talk about what Jesus says about doors. Now that you've heard my thoughts on doors and some of the, what the Bible says, let's go straight to Jesus for a minute. This is what Jesus says. Let's go to John 10. I want you to read 1 through 16, but I'm going to stick with just verse 7 for a minute, just for sake of time. Verse 7 says, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He says, I am the door. Many of you have probably been asked the question, who is Jesus to you? I I hear Pastor Marty say that in the water sometimes. Who is Jesus to you? Many of you would say he's your healer, your deliverer, your, your king of kings, lord of lords. I mean, the list goes on of the things. But I've never asked somebody who Jesus is to you and them say to me, he's my door. Sounds funny, doesn't it? But he is. He's your door. He's your door. And I want to go a little bit deeper and try to explain this to you. Because also in this scripture, he refers to himself as the shepherd, And Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We could all recite it if we wanted to, right? So he's your shepherd. So I want you to look at, and we're going to correlate Jesus the door and Jesus the good shepherd, because he's both. And as a good shepherd, a shepherd does a few things. Does a few things. He cares for the day's needs of that flock. He foresees danger and protects them. He leads and guides the flock. And last night, we, when Pastor Karen shared something last night, she shared from um, 2 Samuel. And God said to David, I took you from following the sheep. 
I don't know about you, but I guess because I'm studying on this, it really jumped out at me, but I had never thought of the shepherd following the sheep. I always thought of the shepherd leading the sheep, but we do know he left the 99 for the one. So he had to follow one at least, didn't he? Yes, he did. And so I'd never thought of it. So I just added that. So he leads and guides the flock and he also follows the sheep. The flock is the shepherd's focus. He sets the pace for the flock. He feeds them. He births them. He grooms them. He he does all the things they need for daily, right? Without a shepherd, the sheep may experience parasites, injuries, sickness, attacks from predators, dirty, overgrown wool. And they would even have difficulty walking through life because their hooves would be overgrown. Shepherd's got a lot to do, doesn't he? So let's go back a minute with this Jesus where he says, he is the door. You see, when it starts to get dark at night, the, the shepherd has to start to look around. He's got to find a place. He's like, where can I take these sheep to keep them safe in the dark? Because when it's dark, I can't see as far, right? So if I'm going to get them to a place and make sure that they're safe, I've got to get them into what he would call the sheep fold. And he would create a place. It might be a place that's anchored by like trees. There may just be some tall trees around and he would go into this little area and he would say, okay, right here's where I'm going to put the sheep and just watch out for them. Or it might be that he created a wall. And let's just say, for example, this is where he's going to put the sheep for the night. Okay. The sheep are back here and the shepherd has followed them and led them. He's led them in there. He's put them in a safe place. And this is the posture that the shepherd takes. He simply sits himself down and becomes the door. He becomes the door. In the scripture, he says that anything anything comes in over the sheepfold, anything comes in, that's the thief. That's a thief and a robber and somebody that's coming to steal from the sheep. But when he's the door... This is their way through. They can't get out without going through Jesus. They can't get in without going through Jesus. So what I want you to understand is everything you go into and out of, let's go through the door. Let's go through the door. And if that's not enough, I want you to hear me for just one minute. There's a woman in the Bible She doesn't have a name. I kind of like that she doesn't have a name because I can pretend it's my story because testimony means he'll do it again. This is a Shunammite woman in the Bible from 2 Kings chapter 4. Read her story, verses 8 through 36. This is not the one in the beginning with the oil. This is the one right after her story. This lady was so excited because She went to her husband and said, hey, husband, there's this man that comes to town. He's a holy man, and I want to build a room for him. So up on the roof, can we get him a a place to sleep, a, a chair, a light? Can we get him a place? So guess what he did? He made a place for this man called Elisha. And Elisha would come, and he would just hang out when he was in town. And she said, I want to build the room for whenever he comes. Whenever he comes. 
One day he came and he asked her a question. He said, you've been so kind to me and my people. You've been so good. If there was anything we could do in return for you, what could we do? You know what she tells him? No. I'm good. My people have taken care of me. Because this woman wasn't a poor woman. This was a well-to-do woman. She was fine. She built him a room. She didn't have any needs. But his servant Gehazi knew something about her. She was barren. So guess what happened? Elisha calls for her. He says, bring her to me. I need to talk to her again. He didn't take no for an answer. Sometimes Jesus won't take no for an answer, girls. He just won't. He just won't take no for an answer. So when he calls for her, what does she do? She comes in and she stands at the door. She made a room. She put herself in position and she stood at a door and he prophesied to her. He said, by this time next year, be holding a baby. By this time next year, you'll be holding a baby. And she did. The story gets crazy. The kid dies, has to be raised from the dead. Then she goes through a famine and then she has to go back to the king. But because of her building a room, the kid dies, gets raised from the dead, goes through a famine, loses everything she owns, but gets it all back. Why? Because she built a room with a door on it. She built a room. She made room for him. So she stood in that door. I'm not a real big sports person, but I like sports. I have a favorite sport. It's basketball. Yeah. I used to like the NBA, but then Dennis Rodman showed up and blew it for all of us, right? He did. It was awful. He was a mess. Absolute mess. Anyway, in the NBA, I have to use the NBA for the example because of, the, of what I'm about to tell you. But this is the year 2024, the year of the door. So I'm coming full circle with you for just a minute. In the NBA, there's a shot clock. The time on that shot clock is 24 seconds. So today, today is January 20th. We've already lost 20 shot clocks. But the Lord says he will reset your day every day. You get a new shot clock every day. For 24 hours, you have a new shot clock, and I just want to know, what are you shooting for? You've told him no how many times? You've told him, no, I'm not able. I can't do that. No, that's not for me. I can't do that. No, that's never going to happen in my house. You keep telling him no. Guess what the answer is going to be? No. But if you dare to believe for one second that if I stand in this door, my life is changed. If I stand right here, in this door, my life will be different. Let me tell you something. If I was on this side of the door and my girls were on that side and they were crying, hurt, calling for me, do you know what I'd do to get through that door? I wouldn't need a gun. I wouldn't need a ball bat. I would claw, scratch, kick. I'd break my hips. I'd bloody my knuckles. I would get through that door. So if we know that victory is on this side of the door, why are we standing out here going, Jesus, let me in. Jesus, let me in. No, you make a way. You make a way. We're just sitting around waiting on Jesus to do it for us.
Jesus, you have not because you If we just wait on him to do it, no, but if we ask him to do it, if I knew that my daddy had a million dollars, I'd ask for a little. Wouldn't you? If my girls thought their daddy had a million dollars, I promise you they're going to say, Daddy, my Venmo number is... I didn't get Venmo for the longest because he was so... I had to take over Venmo so he quit giving them so much money. I did. His girls are rotten. Daddy's girls. I'm glad they're daddy's girls. So what I'm saying to you is today is January 20th. You've got 346 more new shot clocks this year. 346 more opportunities to do what you know you're supposed to do. You can sit on the couch eight hours a day and watch TV and pet the cat if that's what you want to do. Or you can really get up on the inside of yourself and do something with your life. That doesn't mean do what I do. That doesn't mean do what your sister does. That doesn't, I can't do you. You can't do me. But you can do you. And that's what I want to see you do this year. Stand in that door. How many of you, listen, for real. If you knew that you could stand up here and say, or whatever, and say, welcome to my dream. What have you been dreaming about? What's been on the inside of you to do? That you just go, nah, I can't do that. Can't do it, can't do it. Everybody get up, stand up. Ooh, that was bossy. (laughs) That was Peggy coming out. That was my mama. That's what that was. Just for a minute, don't think about anything else but you. Nobody gives us permission to do that very often. Nobody gives you permission to think about you very much at all. Because we're thinking about the babies, the kids, what's next. Do you know how much brain power it takes to be a mama? I mean, I got one kid that don't even live with me and I know her schedule. Probably better than her husband does. Yeah. Yeah. We have to have a lot of brain power as women to finish a day, to finish one of those 24 hours. But just for a minute, think about that thing. And I'm going to speak to the woman of 2024. Not the woman of five years ago. Not the woman of 10 minutes ago. But the woman of 2024. And what I say to you is it's time to step through that door. What are you shooting for? What are you shooting for? Many of you can't stand in the door because you're bound by bitterness, anger, disappointments, frustrations, sickness. You've been given a bitter door. You can change that door. Why? He is the door. When you go through every opportunity from now on, let's just say, for example, one of my kids blows it, gets arrested, not permission, (laughs) gets in trouble. Let's suppose my kid gets in that trouble and I have to go to the jail and I'm gonna walk through this door. If I go this way, I'm gonna handle it my way. You're getting a whipping. (laughs) If I go this way, I may take a minute and talk to you, but I might talk to you from my experience and it's not what you need to hear. But if I go this way, 
and I go through Jesus with every opportunity, that kid's gonna receive what they need to receive from him, not me. If I go to a job interview through this door, they're gonna hear what Jesus highlights, not what I highlight. My resume look, may look good, but they're gonna like it better when they see what Jesus highlights. Because we're gonna step through the door of Jesus every opportunity he gives us. Every opportunity. So girlfriends, men in the room just, it's okay. <laughs> Girls, we're gonna put on our big girl panties. What does that mean? It means let's be mature and brave. No more need for accidents, okay? I'm gonna put on my dancing shoes. It's time you got full of joy. If peace really is the strength that you need, start walking in peace. The door. I'm gonna hold my head high. I will carry myself with confidence and courage. And I will walk through Jesus with everything I do. So bow your heads. Jesus, I'm just gonna pray a prayer over you, but I want you to think of that thing, that one thing. Jesus, you are the door. For every opportunity you open, every opportunity you close, every sickness you heal, every doctor's report that we hear, you give us access into that room. Now, Father, I ask that you rest upon every shoulder in this room. Father, you, you say you're the good shepherd. Not just the shepherd, you're the good shepherd. You don't run out of being good. You don't get tired of being good. You're always good. And you sit at the door of my life as your sheep. You sit at that door and you conquer every foe, every enemy, every sickness, everything that's bad can't get through you because you're good. So Father, I thank you that you are our good shepherd. I will run my race. Say that. And I'll let you run yours. I will run my race. Father, bless each lady in this room today. I thank you for this opportunity. I'm honored. I'm humbled. I'm so thankful that you held my hand. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Amen.